Okay, so we're learning here Daf Samasai. We're starting the new parak, parak Narmarasa. I think it's important just to give a general introduction to the parak. The parak talks about the jurisdiction that a father has over his daughter, and because of that jurisdiction, the Rishusavia, he has the ability to be made for her nadarim. In other words, if she makes a nadar, he has the ability to uh, to annul the nadar simply by saying, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not something I approve of. Then the nether will go away. So there's basically three things that can happen. The husband can be made for the nether right away. He can simply annul it and will go. He can be making the nether, the Pasuk says. He can approve, you know, check mark, say, I like it. In which case, he can't go back on it. He can't just say, no, I want to be made for it. Once he, once he approves it, it's approved. And then the third thing is a shtika. For 24 hours, he's silent about it, doesn't do anything. Then afterwards, he's not able to be made for it. So the third thing, that third thing of shtika, most of you sure we're going to see it in the circular later on in the test, they understand this like an umdana. If you're silent for 24 hours from when you heard it, or if you heard it and you kept silent for 24 hours, you didn't say anything, it must be you approved of it. So then afterwards, you can't switch your mind. So in a way, it's three categories. You can either be made for, and in all, you can be make him approve or be quiet, but being quiet is essentially part of the, part of the, the category of approving it. But we'll see about that in the Gemara. It's not, it's not so simple at all that it works that way. Anyway, so a father can be made for the nadarim of his daughter, as long as she's in his, his jurisdiction. A girl remains in her father's jurisdiction until she becomes a Bokaris, until she becomes fully mature, her body fully develops at age 12 and a half. Until that time, she's under the jurisdiction of her father, he can be made for her Nadar. Now, there's another way that a girl leaves her father's jurisdiction, and it is once she get, becomes a Nasua. Remember, there are two stages of, of marriage. There's Arisin, when she's betrothed to somebody else, and then there's Nisuin, when she starts living with him. She leaves her father's home. She's already living together with her husband. So after a woman becomes a Nisua to, her, to a new husband, then at that point, the father loses jurisdiction over her. And um, at that point, he cannot be made for her Nadarim anymore. Uh, the Torah does come along and say that there's the idea of Beis Yishon Nadar, that she has a new jurisdiction, that once she's married, she's fully Nisua. So then her husband has a jurisdiction over her. That's also a concept. We learned that a Baal cannot be made from a codeman. He's not able to annul vows which were there from before. In other words, after, after he takes her in as a wife and now he's living with her, he can't, be, uh, can't annul her vows that she made previous to when she moved in. But all in the Dharma which were made after the point that she moved in and they're intimate and they're living together, then the Baal is able, is able to be made for her. He has a jurisdiction and he has, again, the same, the same, three, the same three things. He can either be made for her, he can approve, or he can be uh, quiet for 24 hours. That's, that's basically the way that it works. And again, here we're not talking about finding an opening. We're not talking about, you know, being mater neither. We're just saying mafer, mafer. They just don't know. They just say, we don't approve. You know, they don't approve and, 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 and done. There's nothing more that's, that's complicated about it. Now, we'll see that it's not so simple that he can be mafer all sorts of nadar. Mahazan may only be able to be mafer, as the Pasuk says, uh, things that are related to the woman's suffering. Dvarm shal inoy nefesh, things that afflict her. Or things that affect him. It's either it's afflicting her or affecting him in the relationship. But if it's a random nether that doesn't afflict her or affect him in the relationship, he's not able to. There's a big dispute in the Rishonim whether or not a father's jurisdiction to be made for the Nadarm of his daughter applies to all sorts of Nadarm or also has that limitation that the husband's jurisdiction has. We'll see that as well. Alkopanim, those are all the given introductions. However, there's one thing which is complex. What's complex? What happens when a girl, again, she's not 12 and a half, so she's still under the jurisdiction of her father, and then Arison is performed. After Arison is performed, the girl is still living in her father's home. So she's already a married woman. So question, a woman is married, right? It would be Aisha's issue if she sleeps with somebody else. But on the other hand, she's still living with her father. She has not fully consummated her relationship yet with the husband. So at that point, she's kind of 
under the jurisdiction of her father and Kaidim under the jurisdiction of her husband. It's not, it's a complex state, Eris. So during that time, we're going to learn that the state of the parak is, is that there's a partnership. There's a joint jurisdiction that exists between the father and the husband. And it's a fascinating sort of partnership in the sense that to be made for Nadarim, it needs the power of both. They both have to be made for If only one is made for then it's not going to be achieved. That's the, the basic ideas here in the parak. And as we go along, you know, we'll, we'll develop more and more other topics that come. So the parak starts off. Nara Hamarasa. You have a Nara. The point of the Mishnah saying Nara is to say that she is not yet fully developed, right? She's not 12 and a half. And she was not, she's a, a Rusa. So in other words, she's already betrothed, but not yet fully married. And now she takes a nether. What's the halacha? A violent if you know the route. So her father and her husband can revoke the vows. In other words, the Torah is saying that it's now up to both of them to get it done. Neither of them is able to do it um, by themselves. And the Mishnah then spells that out very explicitly. Top of Aleph, the father did hafar, he revokes the vow, but the husband does not. Or if the husband revoked it, but the father did not. In either case, it does not become revoked. The nether is still binding. And, 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 and the idea is, is that it's a partnership. You need both of them. The, the, the terms of the partnership are not that either one of them can be made for and that's sufficient, but rather to the contrary. Since they're own, they're, there's a joint jurisdiction, how far it can only come from both of them together. If it's not both of them together, then the nether stands. And it's needless to say, it goes without saying that if, let's say, one of them was, was making, which means that he approves. Remember, that's positive approval. He says, I like that nether, and all the more certain that if the other one was made for it, then it's not going to do anything. Meaning, what's the Kolshikan? What, what, what is going on? If, if when there's a partnership, and one of them is made for it, and the other one is, doesn't do anything, we say that's insufficient. We don't say that the hafara alone of one automatically removes it. We say we're still looking for the hafara of the other. It doesn't automatically remove it just because one of them was made for So then all the more certain, if one of them was make him, one of them positively was making the nether, then, then, then the other one's hafara is not going to be able to achieve anything on the nether. Okay, very good. So basically, what are we coming out? This Yusoi, we have a naira, we're learning that some of Zion. We have a naira, she's a maurasa, so that means she's betrothed. There's a partnership, a joint jurisdiction between her father and her husband. That means that the nether, the nedarim that she makes will only go away if both parties in the partnership are made for the nedarim. They both annul it. If either one of them does not, then it's insufficient to remove the nether. And certainly if one of them is positively making the nether, he, he affirms the nether, then all the more so that the other one's hafara will not be significant enough to be mater or nether. All right. So the Gemara says like this. Right away, we start off. What was the opening line in the Mishnah? Naimah Rasa, what was the line? It said that, that, that they're made for her nether. The father and the husband. So why does the Mishnah have to go on to say if the father did it and the husband did it, or if the husband did it and the father didn't did it, it's not hefer. That's redundant. Hani Reisha, that's exactly what the Reisha said. The Reisha said, the father and the husband revoked the vows. Clearly, what's the Mishnah saying? That unless both the father and the husband revoked the vow, then the vow is still in effect. Why does the Tana have to, have to repeat itself? Right? The Tana said, it's the father and the husband who are made for. So if I know it's the father and the husband who are made for, then it's redundant to say that if only one of the parties did it and not the other, then the nether is still there. So the Gemara says, you might have thought, you might have thought that what is the idea of the Mishnah that there's a partnership? The father, the father and the husband are made for the nether. Yes, that's a true statement. But maybe the meaning of that partnership are is that either one of them therefore has the power. Think of it that they're partners over, over her nadarim, and if either partner annuls, so then there's a partial annulment. And perhaps even a partial annulment is sufficient 
to remove the nether. And maybe just the mamash dafka, the opposite. You don't need both of them to be made for the nether. Since they're both partners, if either partner annuls the nether, then the nether is gone. Kamash Malan, the mirror from the Mishnah, says, speak out explicitly that that's not the case. The idea of the partnership here is that we need both of them. Unless both of them, unless both of them were made for it, then the nether is still going to be there. Okay, very good. Continues the Gemara. And it goes without saying that if one of them was Mekayim the Neder, meaning Hakama again means that he positively affirms the Neder, then it goes without saying that if the other one was Mefer, then the Neder is still there. So the Gemara is bothered by this. Lumli Lamisna. Why did I need the Mishnah to teach that? Now that you already told me that if one of them was Mefer and the other one did nothing, Right? So in other words, one person is made for the other one, doesn't do anything positive or negative. You tell me it doesn't, it's insufficient, it's nothing at all, because I need both of their hafaras. That was the teaching of the Reisha. Then why did I need the Mishnah to teach that if the one of them is confirming the Netha and saying positively, I like it, then how, isn't it obvious? It goes without saying that if the other one's hafara now, can I remove the Netha? Ma, where one of them does nothing and the other one does hafara, the hafara is, 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 is not strong enough to remove the nether. Certainly where one party affirmed the nether and he can't make hafara anymore, right? He affirmed the nether. Certainly the other one's hafara cannot remove it. Now, you'll notice the Mishnah said it goes without saying, right? What's the Gemara's kasha? The Mishnah itself addressed. The Mishnah says it goes without saying. So, and that's a style sometimes in the Mishnah to speak that way. But the Ram speaks out a very important point is that it's not even a Kava Homer, it's just like the same exact case without saying anything more. In other words, the point is one, one person's hafara doesn't work. You need both partners hafara. Does it make a difference if I don't have one partner's hafara because he didn't do it or because he was making, because he confirmed it? In both cases, it's essentially the same exact thing. I don't have the hafara. And if anything, that's what the Gemara is throwing in, it's even worse because he confirmed it as opposed to making hafara. Okay, I get it. So you're not saying anything new about That's really what the Gemara's question is. It's more of the redundancy than anything else. You're not bringing anything new to the table in this case by saying that one of them confirmed and the other one's hafara is knocked out because he sim- it, the, the, the confirmation is also a lack of hafara. And if I, the Mishnah just said that I need both of their hafaras, then, then, then it's simply wasting our time to tell us that after one of them is makan, the other one's hafara is knocked out. When do I need it? What happened was one of them was Mefer, and then the other one confirmed, right? So it seemed, okay, it's not going to go. But what happened is, and this is a fascinating thing, Hakama is considered a form of a nether. When you affirm a nether, when you have jurisdiction over the daughter and you, or the or your wife, and you affirm a nether, it's like a nether on a nether. It's like you're, you're latching onto the power of nether, which means that you could go to a rabbi and be mater nether for your, for your Hakama. In other words, confirmation of a nether that this father or husband makes is not necessarily permanent. You can go to a basin, explain to them why you want an opening to be mater your nether of hakama and remove your hakama. So that's exactly what happened. So one, let's say the father did hafara and the husband did hakama. And then the husband went, so the husband went after he confirmed it and he was mater his nether. He, got, he went to the basin, he got that removed. So now that he got it removed, so very good. This is all, let's say, on the same day that we heard. Let's keep it simple. All within a few hours. So you might think, this, this that he confirmed, he is now uprooted. In other words, it's, it, remember, when you're a matur it actually even works. That now it's like it never happened, right? So why can't now, if you make a hafara, let it combine together with the other one? 
In other words, just speak out the case. The girl makes a, makes a nether. The, the father is, says, I don't want this nether. I annul it. That's not enough yet. We need the husband. The husband does not, does not, does not annul it. The husband confirms it. Okay, we're stuck. The husband then goes to the rabbi. The rabbi's mater, his nether of, of akama. Now the husband's mefer. Very good. Now I have both parties are far. I would say it should go away. Kamashmalon, the mission therefore informs us that it does not. Once one party is make him, then even if he's shoal on his akama, it's not going to be able to work to connect to the other guys afar. In order for it to work, they have to do it at the same time. The hafar has to be kind in the same moment. Now, it doesn't mean literally they have to be made for at the same second, right? They can be made for 12 o'clock, like I've been made for at 12.30. But what does it mean? It means that once the one party was made for, once the other party goes and he's making, it's mevatel. Hear the alumnus voice. It's mevatel the hafara that the first one did. A hafara from one party can only stand on its own legs as long as the other one has not been making, as long as it's possible to come to the hafara of the other one as well and to unite together in Mubatal and Adar. But when the other one was making, in the moment that he was making, what happens? It blows apart the hafara. The hafara simply, simply dissolves. Now that he goes, the making goes, and he's matir his akama, Zaya fine. It's very true. Taka. It happens, and the hakama is gone. But the hafara of the first person is already gone at that point. That's the idea. Fracked around that the Rishonim were bothered by a very interesting question. We know and we learn that how does it work when you're mater neder with a rabbi? It goes away retroactively. It doesn't go away only for the future. When you're mater neder and the rabbi is finding a Pesach, retroactively, your neder is removed. So fracked around, why don't we say here that the makim is retroactively removing his hakama? And since retroactively he's removing his hakama, so therefore, it turns out that it's as if there was never a hakama. So what, what, what's this whole idea that we're saying that, that the hakama stopped it, but, but the hakama went away retroactively? How, do we, how exactly do we look at it? So it's hard to really fully understand what the Ron answers, but suffice it to say that the idea is, it, 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 it's a perspective, clopping the future, it goes away retroactively. But in the moment, in the moment, the hafara already was dissolved, or already went away in the moment that the first guy was making. Even if he does a retroactive removal of that hakama, it's not something that we can say it's revealed retroactively that the first guy's hafara was there the whole time. In the moment, once the guy did him, even just a maizah hakama, even if the effect goes away retroactively, we're still able to say that the first guy's hafara went away. That's what the round seems to say. Some heavy lumbas here in understanding. When the, when, once one guy is made for the other guys make him, then make him just removes the whole power of the, of the hafara, goes away, and even if now the hakama goes away, but the hafara for the first one is not there. That's what the round speaks out of complete stuff. All right, we continue here. How do we know all this? We're looking at the Pesukah in the beginning of Parshish Matos. The truth is, it would be really helpful if we just really knew the Pesukah well. It's not, it's not so easy without knowing the Pesukah well. It's Kedai. You have enough time to look at the Pesukah and go over them in the beginning of Parshish Matos. But I'll upon him. Let's just basically say that there are three different parts of the, of the beginning of, of Paraklamid in Parshas Matos. First, it talks about an unmarried Nara, and it says that an unmarried Nara, the father, can be made for her Nidharim. Then the second part, I mean, the Pasuk, which we're going to look at, it's not so clear, but it says that she gets married, and now she has Nidharim. Um, and when the husband hears about it, so, 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 so he's able to, be, to annul her vows. The Pasuk definitely speaks about some concept of a wife being married and her husband being mother. And then the third part talks about very clearly when she's in her husband's home, her husband is made for. So basically like this. You have a section A, section B, and section C. Section A is a father is made for his daughter's endarm. Section C is that a husband is made for his wife's endarm. What's this section B? Section B seems, seems to be talking about also a girl who is married and a husband being made for Nadar. But the problem is, 
Once I have section C where it becomes so clear in Basi Shanadara that she's living in the house of her husband, her husband's Mayfair, then it's not so clear what the Pasuk is saying when in section B that once she gets married, then the husband also has some jurisdiction over her. So we're going to analyze that. So the Gemara says, What is the source that the Narahama Rasa, her father, and her husband are made from the dharm together. Amar Rabba, so we look, this is section, that section B, Amar Kra. Fim hayo siyal ish. So hayo siyal means she becomes married. She becomes married to a man. So the pasuk goes on to say that her husband is able to be made for so, so the Gemara says, Mikan, the Nara Marosa should be found in the Torah. From here we see Nara Zarusa, her father and her husband are able to jointly to be, to be made for. Now, what does it say the husband? Right? Or does it say anything about the husband at this point? So we understand that since the Pesukim, passage one, was saying that a father has a right to be made for her, the unmarried daughter's daughter, now the Pesuk is saying, continuing from that, Ve'im, ish. And if now she becomes an Aramarasa, then what is it saying? The husband also revokes the vows. That's the way we're darshan. That's the way we're understanding. It's, not, it's really interesting. If you look at the Pesukim, it's really not that clear. In the Pesukim, what in the world is going on? But that's the way we're interpreting it. Part, the first part of the parasha establishes a father's jurisdiction. The psukim are continuing. But if kedushin happens, then the din is that you need the husband's hafara as well. So maybe you're missing the whole thing. Maybe the pasuk is really talking about that she fully gets married. She's intimate with her husband, and then just her husband is mefer. In other words, maybe while well, she's still in Arusha, just the father is mefer. There's no partnership at all. The pasuk is talking about once she's in Arusha, and then her husband is mefer. We have section C. For a regular Nesua who is fully married, the end of the Pasuk says, if she vows in her husband's home when she is in Nesua, then her husband hears, the husband revokes it. So clearly, the Pasuk about Nesua has already been taught. Must be section B is talking about Narusa. How do you know? Maybe the Pesukim are talking about Nesua. If you're going to ask, why would I need two Pesukim for a Nesua that a husband can be made for the Nesua is Maybe the second Pesukim are just coming to tell me one important rule. Even though a Baal can be made for, he can only be made for a Nedarim that the woman makes after she moves in with him. Not a Nedarim that she made from before. As the Pesukim emphasizes, the Imbase Isha Nadara, if she takes the vows in her husband's home. So maybe that's the novelty of Section C. Really, Section B is also saying the same point in section C that once she's already fully married intimate with her husband from that point and on the balcony we made for her in the dark. maybe that's what section C is saying and, 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 and B and C are essentially the same B is just clarifying that that's only true for the dharm that happened afterwards so the Gemara and the Ahmed Bey's response maybe you're right but um Lamaisa, you could automatically learn from that pasuk that an Asua's husband can revoke her vows. Meaning, just say section C. Just say in Beis Yishanadar. You're right. You'll learn. He can't revoke vows that were there from before. But just listen to the words. The words are, you could see both. Because the words say, in Beis Yishanadar, if she vows in the home of her husband, so you see not Kohenmin, but in her home, the husband's made for Nadar. You would see everything from section C. So bottom line is, is that there's a redundancy between B and C. Must be, B is not talking about an Asua. The Mahal is talking about only Erison. And therefore we understand the Pasuk is saying the father still together with the husband is made for the Nadar. That's one approach. So one approach is to know that we're talking about an Asua and not an Erison because if it would be an Asua and we already have the, uh, the, the, the last Pasuk of Mbesi Shanadar. A second approach, just the language, the language of Havaya. The Pasuk said, if she becomes married. Havaya, Kedushin, Mashma. The word of Havaya, of being to a husband, that has the connotation of Kedushin. So, so in Isha, a husband, that's like the end of the Pesach, and that's Nesuin. She's in the house of her husband. But Havaya, like we know, Kisiyah, like that's always a Lashon of Kedushin. 
So therefore we say, we just know that it means Kedushin. So fine, very good. So now the Gemara continues. Maybe a father of the Naira Hamarasa could be made for the Nidarim all by himself. So now the Gemara is saying, okay, I got it, I got it. I understand what's going on. We have section A, section B, section C. Section A, an unmarried Naira, father's made for Nidarim. Section C, the married girl in, the, in their home of her husband, the husband's made for Nidarim. Section C, I understand. From Ishtar says, a husband does have Farah. It's a connection. The Im, it flows from the first section. And we're understanding there's a partnership. But what's the Gemara asking? Who said that the partnership means that they both have to be Mayfair? Maybe if the father's Mayfair, that itself is, 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 is sufficient to be removed in there. I, the Torah speaks about the husband being Mayfair. Zokdaran, what the Gemara means is as follows. Maybe the father is the only one whose hafara matters, really matters. The husband's hafara matters in the sense, if he does hakama, he would stop the father's hafara. Meaning I don't really need the husband's hafara, but I need him not to be making. That would be the point. The Torah is saying, I need the husband to be made for because if he's not made for, but rather make him, if he confirms the nether, then it stops the father. But really the father, if the father's made for that alone can do it. That's not what the Mishnah said, right? The Mishnah said that the way the partnership works is that they both have to be made for. What the Gemara is asking, the Ron is explaining, is that maybe that's not the terms of the partnership. Maybe really the father is the primary one, right? She was still by him. She's still living by him. Just because she's betrothed, the father doesn't lose his primary jurisdiction. He's really the primary maver. The Pasuk is just indicating that we require the husband's afara because if I wouldn't have the afara, if he would be make him, that would stop it. But if he's neither make him nor mefer, if the father's mefer, maybe that would be sufficient. So the Gemara says it can't be because What about section A? Section A of the, of the Psukim. What does it say? The, the Psukim say in the beginning that if you have an unmarried Naira who's living with her father, then her father can be made for her Nidar. Doesn't that go without saying? Now that you tell me, even after she's betrothed in section B, the father is the primary Mayfair. He can be Mayfair even without the husband's Hafarah. It's necessary to say that the father can do it if he's alone. Meaning, once section B is going to say that the Av's soul Hafarah is able to achieve that the nether is gone, as long as the husband's not make him, then the father's Hafarah alone removed the nether. Then it goes without saying, that when the girl is not married at all and she's just living with her father, it goes without saying that the father's hafara alone can achieve that the nether is gone. Why does the Torah have to emphasize in section A? Must be the pshat's like this. In section B, it's not pshat the father can be made for alone. He's only made for together with the arus's hafara. Without both of their hafara, nothing happens. So that's why I need section A to tell me, but there is a case where the father's hafara alone is able to achieve it. And that's before she's able to do the kedushin. Okay, so the Gemara accepts that point. The Gemara accepts that the fact that the Torah has to have a section A that says the father can be made for a loan before Eresim, and section B that the father needs the husband, um, the father needs the husband after she's married, that shows us that, 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 that the father alone cannot be made for after Kedushin. But, look, Gemara, maybe it's the opposite. Perhaps we should say the father requires the partnership of the Aras, meaning if the father was made for a loan, it doesn't go away. True. But maybe the opposite. Now flip it. Maybe really the primary jurisdiction is to the artist, to the, to the husband. And if he revokes it and the father does not, it's already gone. The father is just saying, what does it mean that the father is saying, right? It says, and. It says the father. By the vows of the Arusa, the Torah is blending them together to show us that the father is part of it. What does it mean the father is part of it? It just means that if he confirmed it, it it's confirmed and the husband can't revoke it. Meaning, we're flipping the other half, Amina. 
How do I know that we need both the hafara of the father and the husband? Maybe outside the hafara of I really only need the hafara of the husband. This that the Torah is blending them and showing us that he needs the father as well. It's not because essentially you need the father's hafara. You really don't need the hafara of the father. You just need that the father shouldn't be a makim. If the father would be makim, that would disrupt the husband's ability to be made for. So originally we were saying the opposite havamina. When we first learned that there's a partnership between the father and the, and the husband, we were saying maybe really the father is the primary jurisdiction and the whole thing that the husband is doing is just that if he confirms, it stops the father's power. We prove that that's not the case from the fact that the Torah has to have a section A, that a father is able to do it alone before, before she's married. Now the Gemara goes, let's go the other way. Maybe the whole power of the father is only to make him during this partner, in this partnership, and the whole Afara power is really only to the Aras. So the Gemara comes along and goes to section C. I know this is kind of just like obvious, intuitive. The Gemara says, In section C, the Torah says, after she moves in with her husband, the husband can be made for her. Why does the Torah have to say that? It's a Even when there was a partnership with the father. During Erisin, if you're going to tell me that the Hafara power is all for the Aras and the others, the Aras can be made for without the father. The whole thing that he just needed to happen is that the father wasn't making, but he didn't need the father's Hafara. So then Shaloba Malcolm Abibai goes without saying that where the husband doesn't have the father in his partnership, after he takes her and he's living with her, he's intimate with her, all the more so I know obviously that he can be made for her alone. Why would the Torah, why would the Torah have to write section C? Must be, you know why the Torah is writing section C? Because when there was a partnership in Vanaira Hamarasa, the husband wasn't able to be made for her alone. He was only able to be made for her if the father was also made for. Now the Torah is telling you, but if he moves in with her, and now they're, they're, now she's totally out of the jurisdiction of the father, now he could be made for a loan. So the Gemara persists. How do you know? Maybe really our Havamina was right. When she's in Aramarasa, so really the husband's Havara is the Iker, and the father's power is only to be making, to stop the husband's Havara. Ah, you're asking, what would the novelty be in section C? That after she's basically Shana Dara, the husband's made for her alone. The answer is you're right. It's not a novelty that he can be made for her alone. The novelty that the Pasuk is telling us is that it's only basically Shana Dara that he can only be made for Nadarim that she made after she moved in. And basically Shana Dara, if she did it, if she, if she made the Nadarim in her, in her husband's home, that's when he's able to be made for her. But let's say she took a Nadar before and then she moved in, he wouldn't be able to. So maybe that is the novelty. Maybe that is the novelty of the third passage. It's not the novelty that he could be made for alone, that he has a jurisdiction to be made for. That we know. If he has the ability to be made for in the partnership, then certainly he has the ability to be made for the ability to be made for alone after he, after she's just in his jurisdiction. Maybe the Torah is only writing section C to tell me, but that's only regarding new Nidharim that she makes after she moves in, but he can't be made for the Nidharim from before. So the Gemara responds, you're right, that's a solid point, but Mine, you can see that from that point of itself. From the fact that the Torah is telling us that the husband of an Nesua cannot be made for prior vows, what do I see? I see that the Arusa's husband is doing it together with the father. Why? Because Arus made for Bekodim, the halacha is in Arus, could be revoking his wife's Nadarim that she made from before. It's only the Nesua, the Pasuk is saying, by the Nesua, when she comes into her husband's home and the husband is being made for Nadarim, he can't be made for Nadarim that were there that she made previously. But the Arusa, Imamish is the opposite. What does the Pasuk say? And she has a nether. If she gets married and she has a nether, what does the Torah say? Her husband can be made for. So in Aros, what's the halacha? He could be made for even though the vow wasn't made under his jurisdiction. A nesua, the husband cannot be made for unless the vow was made under his jurisdiction. What in the world is the difference? Why does an Aros have more power than a nesua? 
by the Nesuah, what are we saying? A regular full-fledged husband, he can only be made for if the nether was base Isha. Base Isha was taken in, on, in, when she was already in the home of her husband. The husband cannot be made for a prior nether. But the Arus, the Pasuk is saying, when she has a nether, then she gets married, the Arus could be made for. What's the Pshat? Listen to the Gemara. What do you say? The reason why an Arus could be made for a nether, that's Kodman, is because he's not doing it alone. He's doing it with the father. His hafar alone is not what's doing it. It's only his, his jurisdiction together with the father. And the joint partnership, it's not Kodman because the father's jurisdiction was there from before. So in other words, she made it the nether, let's say, years ago. Whatever it is. So therefore, it's Kodman. That's true. But the partnership that now the husband walks into and is sharing with the father, it's not Kodman to the, to the partnership because one of the partners was already there. So therefore, when it's an Aras being made for, since he's made for with the father, so there's no din of Kodman. It's not Kodman, that's fine. It's only the din after she's moved in fully with him, when he's the sole Mayfair, there there's a din based Yishan Adar that, 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 that you can only be made for with Kodman. So the Gemara's mom is bringing this apart, and now we've answered our question. We wanted to know, what's the terms of the partnership? We've been saying that you need both the fathers of far and the husband's Afara. How do you know? Maybe really the husband's Afara is the acre. The father's power is just to be making. So initially we tried saying because then section C would be extra. That didn't really work because we said maybe section C is telling me that a full-fledged Nesua, her codeman cannot become, her prior Nadarm cannot become Hotar by, by when she moves in. Fine. Very good. Zog the Gemara back. That halacha itself proves our point. If a Nesua cannot have her prior vows annulled by her new husband, but an Arusa could have the shutfis of her husband and her of, her of her new husband and her father together, it shows that the Aras's power is only in conjunction with the father. And that's why it's not a problem with Kodman. So after all is said and done, we settle very clearly like the Mishnah said is correct. The terms of the partnership for Naraham Arasa are that we need both the father and the husband to be Mayfair. If they're not both Mayfair, then that is not going to go away. If only one is Mayfair, the other one does nothing, the nether is still kind. So to summarize, basically, the Mishnah has told, told us a big Yusuf, there's three levels of jurisdiction. An unmarried girl, before she gets, when she's still an hour by her father, father has the sole jurisdiction, he's made for. There's a regular Nesua, after she moves in with, the, with her husband, when he takes over completely and he's made for, he could do that, but not Kodman, not for Nadarm, which existed from before. Then there's this middle thing, the complexity of the middle stage of Naira Marasa. She's still living with her father, but she's married. Here, we're looking at the Psokim of the, the, the second part of the paraclim. The father, the father now needs the husband, the Pasuk says. And we're trying to say that the shot in this is that we need both of their hafaras. That's what the Torah is saying. But the hafara could come on an, even a nether which was made before she was in Arusa in such a case.